Hey everybody, before we begin the show, I just wanted to thank everyone for their kind words over the last week since we've returned. You know, we're a small independent podcast and it's really rewarding hearing from people that uh, like our show and like what we're putting out here on the internet. I hope you'll stick with us as we continue our endless trek through 2000 AD. And if you really like us, uh, please feel free to review us wherever you can because it definitely helps more 2080s fans find us and enjoy the show. So, with that said, let's get to it! For Earth, let's... My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 77th episode of Space Spinner 2000's podcast, where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for February 1982, progs 250 to 253. This week, Ace Trucking heads out on the Great Mush Rush. The games begin in Mean Arena. The invasion begins in Judge Dread. Nemesis hangs out with the spiders from Mars. And uh, Rogue <laughs> Trooper goes to jail. Yep. Also, I should mention, I'm in my uh, temporary uh, podcast home. I've just recently moved across the country, so there may be uh, extraneous sounds here. There's a dishwasher going. I can't help it. Um, but we'll be okay in the end, I promise. I'm tired, so I'm going to say things that won't necessarily amount to factual information. Fox is uh, out of control and throwing bombs this episode. I can tell already. You better watch out. I'm so sassy, and uh, I didn't have my old man nap, and all of you are going to pay for it and my reading of this by hearing me. Oh, no. Need that old man nap for sure. But hey, speaking of not taking old man naps, Fox, it's yeah. Thrill One Ace Trucking. It's our conclusion to Lugjack. Yeah, yeah. For a script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner's Grant Grover, art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, lettering robot Steve Potter. So, in revenge for them stealing his truck, Ace Garp drags a giant iceberg from space and does an orbital strike on the home base of these space pirates, Fox. Yeah. My favorite part is that they all drown. <laughs> yeah, it impacts hard, and all the pirates that aren't instantly killed are then drowned to death by the rapidly melting um, iceberg. So, just saying, Ace Garp got his spaceship stolen. Yeah. He's fine. Like, completely okay. Gets it back. And then is A-okay with just straight-up murdering, like, 50 dudes? Yeah, well, listen... Dudes? Like that's one. That's his lifeline. Two. They w- like <laughs> they did in fact take and ostensibly kill, though he was restored. Uh, the ghost, the AI of that controls the ship, who's his own character with autonomy. Mm. Um, and like you know, don't be a jerk. How about that? <laughs> or I'll drown you to death. Yeah. The main ship of the pirates, however, wasn't home, and now it's out for blood and starts chasing the Speedo Ghost. It doesn't have any guns, so they're forced to do some awesome uh, chases across the surface of the desolate planet Y7Y. Luckily, uh, Ace and the crew are able to use some cargo grapples still attached to their ship to topple some rock formations and trap the pirates underneath. Yeah, also, their ship 
they were chasing or chased by was so much smaller than their ship. Yeah. I just I feel like this wasn't going to end well for the tiny pirate ship. And I think so. Like you know, like a, a warship's got to be small and maneuverable. It's got a bunch of guns, as opposed to like a freighter that, like mm. you know, is real big but also like not real maneuverable. As more designed to carry a bunch of stuff. You know, it's a difference between an eighteen wheeler and like Kit from Knight Rider. You know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we're going to find out soon. This thing's pretty fucking crazy maneuverable. Absolutely. I mean, that's true, too. Um, yeah, so the, the pirates are knocked out. GBH grabs the pirate leader, and the bounty for him will cover the cost of the iceberg and then some. All's nice. well that ends well, so let's head out on another ridiculous country song. Ten, ten. Man, oh, man. I am excited about these wacky races. Yeah, man. About delivering mail. Yeah, let's begin the Great Mush Rush. Um, nice. The Cucaratch system wants uh, to contract a mail delivery service for a bunch of money. And Ace and the crew are keen to get that contract. Because mail delivery is just a steady, well-paying work for a space trucker. It says 500 creds, basically. 500 big bims, which is like 500,000 oh, bucks. Oh, okay. That's pretty great. For yeah. mail delivery? Yeah. Right. I don't know. Um, it seems like they got, they got a bunch of different planets and stuff in this system. Email clearly is not great space age. Yeah, no, oh. you know, some I guess or like you know maybe they're just they're just doing stuff you can't email like they're paying bills and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> sending that a seems nice, important. Sending nice greeting cards to their space grandmas and stuff. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know. Ace and the crew do what they normally do, what you normally do in this kind of situation, which is go to the the Bureau of Communications and uh, bribe the head to get the the uh, get the business. But and instead, that seems to work out as well as I don't know, like pooping in a public place. Yeah, yeah. Ace is brought is uh, immediately arrested and brought in front of the magistrate, but it's okay because he's being group sentenced. With like thirty eight other space truckers that also want this job and tried to brought the magistrate. It's a pretty it funny awesome. picture because yeah, because it's just yeah. it's just this judge and it looks like he's just yelling at Ace and GBH. But but then the the shot like pulls back and there's just like a motley panorama of like space truckers all being arrested at once. Man, it uh, and it's all like these people we've sort of seen before, which I think is pretty funny. Just everybody. Is in it to win yeah. it, I guess. It's so. definitely a bunch of uh, recurring characters for sure. So basically, after this setting, um, yeah, there are a bunch of all of our old buddies. There's a Jago Kane from the Yellow Line Trucking Line, that that jerk, and our buddy mm. Fatty Arkel, who like helped Ace recover his ship last episode. And I actually see his face now. Yeah, I didn't know that he had eyes. It's true. <laughs> But so after the truckers try to work it out, there's just a big brawl. It's decided that uh, there's only one thing to be done, and that's to have a huge race to determine who gets the job. The mush rush is go. This feels so like cartoon. It's like, well, definitely like, all right, like we got to figure out who's going to do this stuff. Well, let's have a race. (laughs) Why not? Gosh darn it. Yeah. A whole bunch of uh, future ships fly out. They're all going to try to deliver letters to the same planets in the same order. Uh, the first stop is the planet Og, which is slightly inside of the uh, Kukarach system. 
and there's a bunch of meteor swarms blocking the most direct route, but it's no problem for, like, the Speedo Ghost or Jago Kane's ship, the Yellow Snork, to, uh, just black, just to get their way through the uh, crazy asteroid belt. Other ships are not so lucky. They get yeah. blasted out. <laughs> the Steely Staff just gets destroyed by it's, a bunch of rocks. I'm it's like, tough, Damn. buddy. Yeah. Um... After outside of the belt, Ace takes a detour to collect a distress buoy, only to find out that it's a dirty trick by that Jago Kane. But a uh, reprisal role by the dopest helmet in the universe. I love GBH's spacesuit, man. Like the helmet for his spacesuit is just this hourglass that allows his hair to fly free, even in deep space, which I think is excellent. It's so great. He looks like a weird light bulb man. <laughs> Definitely. To catch back up to the human jerk. Ace decides to throw caution to the wind and take a shortcut through the nearby sun. It's time which, for a nightlight flight. Which, what the hell? And then we get a headshot of, like, a bunch of people, what we done just did see, saying, like, oh, you're crazy. Yeah, all the, all the, he, like, Ace basically says he's doing it on the CB network, and all the, all the other uh, pi- uh, pilots and space jockeys are like, no way, that's too dangerous. Don't do it. You're going to get killed or whatever yeah but ace does his own thing always so in a feat of awesome mind-bending seat-breaking acceleration the speedo ghost flies right past the sun slingshotting past at terrifying speed as at the right precise moment feek tosses a uh, couple uh, bales of like pressurized fuel into the ghost's engine it's crazy it just Ace gets completely shot backwards in his seat, like like goes from sitting position to flat backwards, and then like had to fire the retros, has like a full on like a spaceballs ludicrous speed kind of moment, like pushing back <laughs> against the uh the G forces to hit a button. They've gone plaid. They've gone plaid. <laughs> Still woozy, and they managed to actually make it to the planet ahead of Jago Kane. Still woozy Yay. from the blast. With the top half of his chair still strapped to his back that's broken free from the rest <laughs> of the seating arrangement. That's pretty good. <laughs> Ace woozily delivers the first letter of the mush rush. He heads back out, but the ghost's engine is still extremely messed up. By gum, they're going to keep going to win this race as they sort of like the engine's all broken. So it's like put, 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 through, through the big empty. <laughs> Next time. So, oh, fi- um, awful pains and firsters. Man, oh man. It's Just pretty some, good. Yeah, good like space good action, man. They're racing around. They're dealing with various space um, obstacles and stuff. <laughs> good CB talk. No more singing. It's good times. Good times yeah, with Ace Trucking. And all to just, like, deliver some letters, which is such a weird storyline. Hey, man, we're just spoiled by having, like, a national postal system, man. That's it, pretty fair. It's only, you know, whatever. We're like a couple past bills away from having to just be UPS and uh, DHL trying to fight for who gets to deliver mail to people in local oh, in, in localities. I want the mail wars to happen. Hey, I would fight po- with the postman. As opposed to, oh, like a Kevin Costner? <laughs> you got my reference. I was going to also say uh, the mail wars like what happened at that bar every Saturday night. Hi-oh! Uh, oh. <laughs> and speaking of death defying fights the death fox it's thrill to meet arena oh. script robot is alan ridgeway 
at some points writing as Tom Tully, art robot Mike White, letting robot Peter Knight. Oh my god, we actually maybe almost play the game. Hey, let's start actual street football play, Fox. All right. <laughs> uh, let's let's have like a multi uh, prog fucking street football match. That's crazy. We're deep at it. Yeah, so the teams, Slater Slayers and the Oxford Invaders square off and then they'll go get in position. The ball blasts off and we're underway. We get some pretty decent early play and they're really sort of highlighting how the guys like in the control room are talking on radios constantly communicating with all the different team members in the uh in on a team hint hint this will be important soon mm-hmm. yeah the slayers get the ball but lose it to a boomerang attack a pair of invaders move out with the ball but they get blocked it by matt town in a woolworths who who is known for being Pretty awesome at getting that ball back. Oh, yeah. But before Talon can take those guys down or whatever, he gets a warning about another invader behind him, but he's no, but there's no one there, and so the two invaders get the drop on him and buffalo him out and sort of make their way to score. Someone's Did messing with these radios. The Listen, you gotta, sometimes it's a face kick world, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I just think it should always be a face kick world. Uh, I mean, you know, talks to George Orwell, I guess. It's a 1984 reference, guys. Oh, shit. We're so sci-fi. So despite the best efforts of the Slayers, including blasting one of the invaders that turns out to be a robot. Dude, okay. So before we go past to that, Mm -hmm. so let me break this down for you. Yeah. Matt Talon's going after a guy, right? Mm -hmm. And he gets lassoed. and He's like, oh, fuck no. Because uh, this other guy's coming up to club him. So he swings the dude onto the other dude, breaking his helmet yeah. and making part of his face fall off, which exposes that he's an android, right? Yeah. Now, in this moment, the other player, who has known this man for a period of time, he's like, dude, your face. And he's like, all this time, and I never suspected, like, yeah. oh my god. And then Matt Talon just pulls out a gun and fucking shoots him. That's now, right. that man is not just, like, mentally devastated. <laughs> like, Listen, holy we've, fuck. We've seen this drama play out. Yeah, we've seen this drama play out a couple times in Mean Arena. Because they put the androids in the game surreptitiously. Like, the other team members don't know who's, who's an android and who isn't. Like, on their own team. So... And I guess they're pretty advanced because they like like they develop friendships and totally like uh, you know pass as human completely. So you know there's a real chance that your buddy could be a freaking android when you're on a mean arena team, and then it's we're within their rights to just get blast to just blast them out of existence because of like androids are second class citizens. I guess he shoots him right in the head. I'm just saying like yeah. that man is now out of that other man's life. <laughs> Like, I mean, maybe you could rebuild him or something. You know, we don't I know mean, where the memory maybe. banks are, 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 are carried for those things. That's pretty fair. But yeah, that's Mine's what, in it's... my butt. <laughs> I mean, just FYI. All right, let's keep going. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Oxford team manages to break through, though, and score the opening goal of the match, Invaders 3, Slayer 0. The, inv- the Invaders get a bunch of fabulous prizes for scoring, which I thought was pretty <laughs> oh, awesome. What the fuck? Because Matt Talon has scored the first point before, and I don't yeah. remember him He's getting not this gotten some prizes. Money. Yeah, he hasn't gotten like a trip to places and stuff. Well, so it's like it's a car, like a supercar for every member of his family. Yeah, five years supply of Thames Valley wine, <laughs> a luxury holiday villa yeah. in uh, uh, Maribel. 
or Marabella. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. For it's lack good. of a better term, a dumb-looking television <laughs> speakers, <laughs> uh, whatever. Yeah, hi-fi thing. Yeah, listen, it's good. This match is real big. It's got a lot of sponsors. Um, Talon, meanwhile, like the, the Slayers, Slayers are trying to figure out what went wrong. Talon tracks it back to that rogue radio message he got, and a shadowy figure listening in says that this is just the beginning of the Slayers' communication problems. Huh. Get it? I'm the bad guy. This is, uh, so like, the, the, the writership for this thing is weird because, like, Barney says it's just Alan Ridgway, but a couple, or a Ridgway, I guess. But a couple yeah. of these episodes say it's Tom Tully, and this is very much the Tom Tully um, special of a cliffhanger that ends with just a mysterious hand and someone <laughs> saying that, like, they're responsible for what's going on. Um, and, you know, next up, Talon's got the ball, but his way is blocked by a couple invaders, so he uses his Blast Master to destroy a building and make a move. He Bad calls, move. Yeah, he calls for an all-clear and gets it, but then just before he fires... Nearby team member Crash Crawford is ordered to move to help Talon, and it has him entering the building that Talon is about to destroy. So he inadvertently kills the guy, and it sends him into a blood rage. <laughs> yeah, Crawford's caught in the blast. He's killed Talon. Yeah, he just hulks out, basically. He like fights he through the remaining invaders. Just punches everybody, uh, runs through, scores and equalizes in a state of mad anger. So in between in between plays, the head of the invaders talks to Talon, and Talon lays out the situation. There's like a gremlin in the communi- in the communication systems. That, that's what yeah. he says. Uh, Zlycon of the invaders vows that if anyone on his team is this cheat, he'll give them over to the Slayers personally, presumably for yet more bloody revenge. <laughs> Me- oh God. Me- Meanwhile, the fans in the stands are getting pretty restless, at least until they get dosed by a big thing of happy gas, which just makes oh them be all stoned out. They're just like, man, you're so great. You're, let's have let's have friendships. And then just like, ah, God. <sighs> that scares me about like the sports of the future, that police, it's just okay for them to spray gas on yeah. like a crowd of people regardless I mean, hey, man, of if they're fighting street, or not. Street football exists because as a response to widespread hooliganism in regular football, so they're quick to nip it in the bud. <laughs> See uh, that hooligans? You're part of the problem, not the solution. Always. Play <laughs> continues is the solution. <laughs> Play continues in spite of the current tension, but things are liable to explode if people aren't careful. Next time, the way it is. Yeah, next time, thrill power increases. Adjust your circuits now, man. What does that even mean? That means it's not coming back. It means just more action, you know, just regular stuff. It's coming back, man. We're gonna be with me in arena for a long time. Oh, really? Like, I think. Oh, let me actually. How many more people does Matt Talon need to kill? A lot. I mean, he's got. There's four <laughs> more on his on his a list. Lot. There's four more on his list. Assuming that his list is that he's still carrying it through. All right. I mean, but, he says he's not. Yeah. But, but whatever. I'll say you know, that. He the, killed that android. Yeah. We got like 30 more progs in Arena Fox. Holy shit. All right. Respect. So, you know, gear up. That's what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is F Mean Arena. Stupid fucking. I mean, not that way. It's fine. Super, no, super fair. Hey, but you know what is the opposite of Mean Arena in terms of one not being awesome and one being extremely awesome, Fox? <laughs> Answer. What? Thrill 3. 
Judge Dredd. Oh, man. And Judge Dredd mm-hmm. is the truth. Script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant as T.B. Grover. Art robot Carlos Escara, letting robot Tom Frame. I love... Oh, wait. One sec. Uh, Tom Frame. I made a Tom Frame singing thing right here. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, it's if you didn't think that the Sov Nations were bad guys, wait until they teleport all of the nuclear missiles being shot at them into another dimension where there has been no war. And then explode the planet. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. The uh, So last episode, uh, Dread and Mega City 1 fired a bunch of TADs, which are total annihilation devices, at East Meg 1, who are currently um, attacking them. But they have their apocalypse warp in place, which sends the TADs to another dimension, like Fox said, one of total peace and harmony. I, I feel like the one thing missing is there weren't, like, um, animated bunny rabbits that could also talk in this yeah. world. But everyone's just sort of, like, hanging out in idyllic fields and stuff. And they just look up and say, oh my, what's that? And it's 25 Tads about to blow up your planet completely. It just cuts to a planet with being rent to pieces, giant fissures through the entire globe <laughs> the whole just, planet turning into just chunks and being completely destroyed it's it's a uh, it's definitely earth shattering as the comic put it indeed but apparently there's a flaw in this whole system where the warp can only stay up for 12 to 13 hours yeah. once they turn the warp on it's got to stay on it's got to stay on and it'll stay on for 12 to 13 hours and in that time East Meg 1 is completely shut out from the outside world. They've got to rely on War Marshal Kazan and uh, to destroy all, uh, to completely destroy Mega City 1's ability to retaliate. And he's got some fucking Chronicles of Riddick glasses, that dude. Yeah. Luckily, War Marshal Kazan is totally reliable. Yeah. He's got, got built-in sunglasses. He, he loves yelling at people. <laughs> he loves telling people to arrest themselves. Yeah. he's Kazan's just a big believer in showing up at a place, telling whoever's in charge that they are inefficient, uh, and then either arresting or killing them and replacing them with the next guy. I guess it's very Empire Strikes Back, right? Like, where they took yeah. out those guys and stuff. We're definitely seeing some influence from there, I'd say. But also just my general belief that the way you establish someone as a bad guy is their willingness to kill their own guys. <laughs> hey, man, there's plenty more where that came from, right? Absolutely, yeah. So... We see him, yeah, we see him remove a task force leader who isn't finding the, uh, subs, the undersea, uh, subs of the, uh, of, of Mega City One. And then he basically calls up Dread and threatens total destruction if he doesn't surrender. Dread's made of sterner stuff, though. He knows that this is a feint. And, uh, he knows that instead Kazan wants to invade Mega City One because they want to enslave the populace and all that stuff. And with that, let the invasion begin! Oh, F, there's all these planes coming in. They're going to spray gas. It's a gas episode. Hey, man, forward the uh, Metal Legions. It's tanks and robots and stuff. Man, they're really um, cool. In the beginning of this prog, in the color section, we learn that Kazan is bright, has bright red hair. <laughs> we then it's cut like Cheeto red. <laughs> yeah. We cut to uh, Judges Dormer and Hodge patrolling the wreckage of Mega City 1 when a squadron of East Meg Strato-Vs fly in, dropping deadly gas. Oh, man. They're then Dormer. followed Dormer and Hodge. 
So they're followed by massive rad sweeper tanks that blow up resistance. And then those tanks in turn are followed <laughs> by Karpov uh, MF7 Sentinoids, which are these four-legged killbots. Yeah, they got uh, horse, no, horse legs, reverse knees. I think they had like 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 Doctor Octopus metal legs. That's what they seem like yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah, uh, they're pretty awesome. Just they're in pretty general. awesome. Like, they're a killbot, and killbots are great. Yes. So Dahmer goes down, gets smushed by the tank treads, and then Kazan almost makes it, avoiding the guns of the rad sweeper tanks, but he gets taken out by the robots. Bad news if you're a judge and make yep. city one. And and Kazan, seeing this destruction, says that uh, if you want to pluck a chicken, first you got to cut off its head, which is inscrutable. But he <laughs> basically just says we're going to kill the uh, leaders of Mega City One. So he has the Sentinel, and so Dread, who gives the uh, order, begins giving out orders to begin hit and run tactics against the uh, attacking East Megs. Uh, that bunker is instead attacked by sentinoids. They breach the walls. Robot attack! Uh, God, why have people do it when you could just have robots do it? I mean, this is just generally the case for a future yeah. when there is robots. It's fair, man. Yeah, so the the uh, command bunker is under heavy assault by robots. Judges are falling back behind a series of blast doors, but the bots are coming fast. They're deploying lasers and shooting deadly gas. More gas! Uh, Dread sends a message to all the judges and the entire citizenry of Mega City 1 to resist the East Meg invasion, but most of the Mega City folks are too yeah. busy doing block mania stuff. They're too busy being block maniacs. <laughs> no one cares, uh, except for Walter, and why isn't Walter dead? I'm so upset. <laughs> yeah, Sov tanks have taken most of the northern area of the city. They're sweeping south. Um, among the blocks, the block maniacs is Maria, Dred's housekeeper, and stalwart Mario Lanza partisan. Uh, Mario Lanza, of course, an Italian singer. Uh, um, Wooing for her great. safety is Walter no. the Wobot, who ties no. Maria up in wopes. No. No. <laughs> Meanwhile, no. Dred lo- loads the injured Chief Judge Griffin aboard the Justice 2. And then launches oh. that spaceship into the air. The chief judge is too weak to fight and will do more good in exile as a symbol of hope. Meanwhile, yeah. they'll keep fighting down here. Man, I like the chief judge. He's pretty great. Yeah, Chief Judge Griffin, always fun. So, with the chief judge away and the headquarters compromised, it's time to co- to abandon it and just start wide-scale guerrilla resistance. <laughs> it's pretty great. They like They move to the second base location and they're like, well... All right, time to Let's mobilize. Just roll, yeah, get in the bikes. Let's just roll out and start just killing sobs where we can, buddy. Um, so they set the sky on fire. Yeah, at least one person is listening to Judge, to Judge Dredd as the Mega C1 weather system goes crazy. The air fills with fire and then snow pours down on the city. <laughs> Mad Dog Kazan checks in with his troops to find them stymied by the hyper-aggressive block maniacs in the city. The, uh, the lead general has ordered the full extermination of the population, and in response, Kazan slaps him and sends him to Siberia. Because the job here, Fox, is to conquer, not exterminate. Yeah, the whole point of having a city isn't that you've just bummed the shit out of it and killed all of its population. Yeah, we don't want buildings. We want people to be in those buildings and do stuff for us. So mm-hmm. he has the uh, Strato Vs spread out among the city and deploy the cure, the anti-block mania gas, curing the citizenry. <laughs> More gas! 
Yeah, except for Moia, who has a gas mask put on her at the last minute by Walter, so she's still suffering from block mania. Oh, well. What have you done, Walter? <laughs> what he always does, make something more lame. That's true. Next episode, Terror of the Rad Sweepers. Man, it's like, I know a new super important character got introduced because he's the bad guy, and yeah. he is awesome. Every time that he showed up to a place, he said something that I loved from a villain. Yeah, he just gets real serious every time he shows up. And he yells but at the man, other villains. Man, I need this to do a little bit more. It's like, I, I get it. I know that they're invading. Like, the the whole Dahmer thing, that was cool. Oh, with, like, the checking um, on the judges and how they sort of withstood yeah, the attack yeah. and stuff? Yeah, it's pretty neat. Like, I, I don't know. It's it's like, we didn't need a Walter check-in, you know? <laughs> Did Walter like, that's just, the last just... thing I want. We've been really down, or we were really down with the Apocalypse War last time as Walter brought it down for you a, a bunch this this uh, month. Walter just makes things taste like crap. And uh, <laughs> anytime, anytime uh, like he comes around, it's like, like, what are you doing for this? What are you adding? It's like a like, population is getting gassed and we're getting like a Walter joke. I think it's just because he's know. the guy we know. You know, he and Maria are sort of the characters we know. It's interesting to check in on them just for characters we have some association with to see how they're doing. This is like, how associated that seems we are. Like the thaw, Maria needed a thog or the thog note. That's true. I mean, well, we haven't seen her in a long time. Like, I forget it's, the last time Maria was in the Progs. Dude, I can't even remember. Prog it must 3. Have, it must have been before the Judge Child situation. It could yep. even be like... Call or some shit. I mean, it was definitely after Call Me... Yeah, I mean, she was around definitely before Call Me Kenneth. <laughs> All right, so we investigated. I don't know when the last time Marie was last in the Prague. It's been a long time, though, guys. I think we all know that's true. Uh, she's kind of a lame duck anyway. Mm. But spe- And speaking of things that are, while momentarily interesting, still end up going nowhere, it's <laughs> non-thrills, covers, and nerve center. Yo, bro. Like, uh, there were some good covers this, this week. Or I months. agree. Yeah, no, I give near, I give Nantos a hard time, but they're actually pretty good. Uh, first up, it's Prog two fifty, the Zarjaz two hundred fiftieth episode issue. Oh no, man, it's so Zarjaz. Carlos Escara draws the East Meg One brass pouring over the Mega City One defense plan. MC One is ripe for invasion. Let's touch this map and get really into it. <laughs> the Prog opens with Tharg once again welcoming us to our future. <laughs> And just explain the the premise of the uh, of the comic book for all you new people, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like you know, there's a comic out there. It's got a you know, it's got a big round number like that. Some random kid might pick it up when they haven't previously. Well, that's pretty fair. Yeah, it's like Toward, oh shit. I mean, I've done that with with comics, you know, especially when I was mm-hmm. in a comic buying point in my life. Yeah, yeah. Towards the end of the prog, we get a nerve center. Tharg demands reader art for the upcoming 2080 fifth birthday. Um. Our, our art in this nerve center includes a nice ape garp picture and just a crazy Tharg picture that says, In the near future, <laughs> there shall no longer be war, but there shall be 2000 AD. Which depicts a lot of violence, so... I mean, that's, yeah, it's weird. It's, it's a weird thought. Uh, letters include a classic Star Trek joke, which is that, uh, the, uh, the captain, Captain Kirk isn't the name of the leader of the, uh, of the, of the guy who runs the ship because every episode begins with someone saying Captain Slog. 
So it's like, uh, Captain Slog is the captain of the Enterprise, buddy. Just, uh, this is an old bad joke. Um, <laughs> I've never also heard it, and it's bad. A desperate plea for help in defeating the forgotten fifth dark judge, Judge Boredom. Oh, boom. This prog ends with a Torquemada family picture. We learn his first name, which is Tomas de Torquemada, and we meet his wife, Candida, his mom, Mercala, his father, Nostradamus, and kids, Pan- Pandora and Barbarossa. Maybe Mersala? I don't know. Candida is crying? These guys are all crazy. Much more about the Torquemada family later, uh, much later. That's awesome, because they seem like a really great family. <laughs> We'll learn more about it. There's a lot going on. 251, the Great Mush Rush begins. Bellardinelli oh. draws the contestants and spaceships. And this prog contains a record amount of thrill power. Oh, man, everyone. I feel like this is thrown around a lot. I mean, you know, it's ever-increasing, you know? That's pretty fair. It never goes backwards, but it always reaches new heights. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah, in the nerve center, Tharg D2 gets us hyped up for the Mush oh, Rush. It's so great and creepy. Yeah, it's a weird robot Tharg face on top of an R2-D2 body. Yeah, it gets us hyped up for the Mush Race and the uh, continuing Apocalypse War. Letters demand an end to Ace Trucking for being insulting to CB radio operators and want to wow. know why Dred's friends always die. The answer is, it's a hard world out there, buddy. I hate to tell you this, but all of your friends are going to die at some point, too. I mean, Oh, my God. Maybe, fall, maybe way in the future, but it's going to happen. Oh my gosh. Also, just don't be friends with an action hero. I feel like that's True. obvious. Yes, and no matter who it is, whether it's uh, whether it's Riggs from Lethal Weapon or someone that Arnold Schwarzenegger's playing or something like that, like anytime you're friends with an action star, there's a very real chance that you're going to die to spur that guy to action. Or the two love interests uh, from Starship Troopers that the other that the two people who were into each other go after like both of them die whoa yeah fair. what does that say about love it says this is a this is a great movie that everyone should watch because it it's says satire one it says that that you can't find love on the battlefield despite what solid snake would have you believe despite what pat benatar sings about mm, 252 no stinking spider gets the better of me Redondo oh, drawing yeah. some awesome loincloth dude versus spider action. It's simply like his head. <laughs> dude, I love it. And yeah. also love Nemesis. Totally. So I can't wait for us to get to it. Yeah. In the nerve center, Tharg the Marshal plugs the upcoming six year anniversary, while another picture depicts an earthlet with severe thrill sucker <laughs> infestation. And that guy looks bored. Yeah, he looks real tired. Yeah. I hey, uh, understand. A reader has a ton of jelly bean related 2000 AD puns for some reason. What the fuck? I find Joe that to be confusing. Tharg plugs the upcom- the upcoming new Eagle comic, which will contain Dan Dare. And mid-prog, there's an ad for a Star Wars Create a Bounty Hunter contest. And I like it mostly because it's still at a point where the name of the third Star Wars movie is Revenge of the Jedi instead of Return. Ooh. Yeah, just a little, like, you know, no piece of historiana, like when they t- refer to Empire Strikes Back as Star Wars 2 or something like that. You know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah, 253, Colin Wilson draws a very bright and shiny jailbreaker Glasshouse 6, or, or Glasshouse G, Rogue Trooper cover. 
It's pretty interesting if just because it's one of the few Rogue Trooper covers where Rogue isn't blue. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. In the nerve center. Like human colored. Yeah, he's, he's, he's dude colored. White dude colored, I guess. In the nerve center, Tharg, uh, Tharg Trooper, Rogue Trooper style, plugs the first part of a collector edition of the, of the Cursed Earth Judge Dredd storyline, which is nice. Oh. You know, collect it now. Supplies are limited in 1982. <laughs> Letters include one reader returning to 2080 after a few years off. Another recognizing that the story in the 1982 annual was first drawn in a previous prog, which I mentioned during that episode. Thank you very much. Uh, oh, miss, yeah. I don't miss everything. Just, I just want you to know. Um, <laughs> and then this prog ends with a sweet picture of the Fringe World Express. An armored stagecoach kind of thing from ne- from the Nemesis universe, complete with like rifle wielding Terminators riding shotgun and a ram's head prow on the front of the vehicle. It's real Man, dope. It's great, and I love that for no reason the guy that's driving it is whipping the front of the bull. He's just yeah, he's just dressed in black, being all crazy. <laughs> fucking awesome. Absolutely. And hey, speaking of uh, crazy sci-fi things happening for not much reason, Fox. Oh, dip. Thrill for Future Shocks. Oh, I like this first one a lot. Now you see it. Yeah. It's super great. I don't know who. Uh, well, I guess you're going to explain who yeah. the script. Yeah, script that. robot Alan Hebden, art robot Eric Bradbury, letting robot Tony Jacob. Yeah, this is a fun one. It's a, it's a nearly wordless Future Shock just after the opening introduction which is basically just to explain why the driver is driving on the american side of the road but it's like a ufo shines a beam on a dozing driver just driving through one of the big straight highways in the middle of like like arizona or something he uh he wakes up with a start and sees a giant white line on the road he screeches to a halt and gets out of his car to see two lights Approaching him, getting bigger and bigger and larger and larger, bearing down on him. And he realizes that he's a guy who's been shrunk down to the size of a tiny car and he gets smashed by an oncoming coming truck. Oh, man, oh, man. Yeah, boot alien pranksters, buddy. Not cool. But I agree. I like this one a lot just because it does a whole lot without words and just really lets uh, Bradbury do a lot with the, with the driver's face and like his shock and terror, this oncoming car and seeing that he can't escape and the inevitability of being smushed and stuff like that. I really liked the art in this like super a lot. It's, yeah. It's I, I it's so I, I'm of two minds of it. Like I like this because it, maybe because it's rare but mm-hmm. also i feel like the point of a comic book is to have the words and also the pictures because yeah you know if you're just gonna look at a picture book like what well the i feel like you know i think it's good just because sometimes w- we focus on words a little bit or a lot and maybe let pictures mm-hmm. go to the wayside so just having a thing that's all art lets you kind of recenter and just give an eye out for what the pictures are and so i think it's a good i don't know if i'd want it to be every every future shock but i feel like it's a good change now and then mm-hmm it definitely gives you a sense, like, it, I was never unaware of what was going on. Yeah, so definitely. I, I liked it a lot. Yeah. All right, so next up, it's uh, All of Them Were Empty, script robot Alan Moore, oh, yeah. art robot Paul Neary, letting robot Pete Knight. So fucking weird. This is good. It's a, I, I think this was good. It was a very, like, claustrophobic, Twilight zone kind of future shock. Mm-hmm. Just a couple people hold up in a diner where some evil force awaits them outside. It's not clear what, but it turns out that it's a legion of sentient cars. 
that yeah. are basically just keeping humans alive because they have the arms to refuel them, essentially. <laughs> and it's a very bleak ending as the survivors just pour fuel into their new gas-guzzling masters. Like, all of them were empty means that they sort of had to spend, like, 24 hours just refilling all the cars until this gas station was completely out of gas. Because all the cars Jeez. that came up there were empty that were sort of, like, presumably outside the station, like, honking and, like... When the guy tried to escape, got run over and stuff like that. It's really like scary, kind of like, or cl- I say claustrophobic, like sort of dystopian future kind of thing, you know? Yeah, it's definitely uh, I, cars without people, sentient cars in general is kind of a weird, it's yeah. weird to me. Yeah, it's all this horror then, but then 15 years later in universe, you got Light- Lightning McQueen flying around and it's your kid's favorite Pixar movie. It's like, whatever. No. <laughs> It's pretty fair. And Any, it's got a face on it. Yeah. And it, next is uh, The Hume Factor, which is a Joe Black adventure. Oh, Script yeah. robot Kelvin Gosnell, art robot John Higgins, lighting robot Peter Knight. So, yeah, Joe Black of Pest, the Planetary Exploration and Survey Trust. He's forced to respond to a distress signal by his jerk computer on the planet. He finds a bunch of primitive humans ruled by a very Darth Vader-looking robot. Um <laughs> It looks like, like like the humans rule here, and humans are or the robots rule here, and humans are servants. It's a very it's a it's a Robo Hunter situation. Mm. Black tries to explain the way things really are, but it's no good. So instead, he challenges the robot leader to a variety of tests of skill. It goes real bad because he's not good at math or anything like that. Because he's up against a robot. Exactly. So, but it culminates in a cross-country foot race where Joe gets the drop on the leader and reprograms his brain to make him subservient. Rips off his head. Yep. And then rewires his brain. The leader robot He's then an asshole. in turn reprograms the other robots. And the humans are once again the masters of a superior robot slave race. Hooray. Even though they're all dumb hicks. Yep. Also, while he's getting his ship repaired, Joe has his own computer reprogrammed to be much nicer to him, so it's an all-over win. Ugh. Joe Black will return next episode. Great. Next up, it's it's my favorite uh, future shock for this month, Fox. Uh, <laughs> an American werewolf in, in space. Oh, uh, man. Script robot Alan Moore, art robot Paul Neary, letting robot Tony Jacob. So... There's 2,000 people aboard the spaceship Hermes, a human colony ship. One of those people is Bayer Lupo, a werewolf who is super stoked that he somehow managed to trick his way through the application process to get onto this ship. Because in space, it's always a blue moon, which means he could just attack and kill everybody at his leisure. He goes to, to take out his first victim, but it turns out that that guy is also a werewolf. What? Hey, what the heck? Oh, that's weird. What a coincidence. But wait, they meet some other guys, and they're werewolves too! The whole damn ship is werewolves! <laughs> Maybe Lupo didn't pull one over those humans after all. <laughs> Meanwhile, back on Earth, another colony ship is taking applicants, and let's just say they're all very pale and answer to the name Alucard. Oh, it's Dracula spelled backwards. Everybody in line is 100% a vampire. Like, holy shit. <laughs> All these guys are vampires. I love this edge hair. Yeah, and like the like they like wearing like dark glasses and stuff to protect them from the sun. All that stuff. I love this. I love the idea that like yes, monsters are real, but we've got a space based answer for it. You know, 
it's this like is how that, we deal with our problems. Yeah, it's like that thing in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where um, they like round like the civilization rounded up all the useless people and put them mm. on a ship to colonize a planet. But it was really just kind of a eh, get out there, you'll be fine. You know, <laughs> I thought it was neat. Anyhow, final future shock is the Bounty Hunters. A script robot Alan Moore, art robot John Higgins, letter robot Tony Jacob. So this one is sort of a cross between the movie Predator and the classic Alan Moore Green Lantern story of Mogo that doesn't socialize. Yeah. If you're familiar with that one, Fox, it's, it's a pretty good story. Um, I did not. I'm basically, not. a team of space bounty hunters is on the hunt for a guy named Rogel Dax, a shape changer who can look like anything. So they shoot bushes, random animals, even each other, but it's not him in any of those cases. Um, eventually, they wonder if maybe the the planet itself is Robodex. They shoot a bunch of, of uh, craters in there, but it's, it, that doesn't work either. That's how uh, Mogu doesn't socialize, actually, that the bounty hunter is looking for this guy, but it's actually the whole planet. Um, anyhow, yeah. in this case, they decide, like, ah, we're not going to find this guy. Let's just head out. So they go to their spaceship to head back home, only to be eaten alive because the spaceship was Robodex all along. Oh, man, it ate him up. You being eaten by... In space, the spaceship eats you. (laughs) You think they would have got it, what, with, like, the hatch having spiked teeth and all, but whatever. Hey, that's just what it looks like. They got kind of a cool-looking spiked teeth hatch doorway because they're tough bounty hunters and they want to sort of, you know, project (laughs) an image. (laughs) Hey, I'm an important person. That's right. Hey, speaking of random space things eating you, Fox, it's 305 Nemesis the Warlock. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Script robot Pat Mills, art robot Jesus Redondo, lettering robot Steve Potter. Oh, man, I love Nemesis the Warlock. I never thought I'd be saying this, but I love spider people. Totally. Yeah, the jailer. So last episode, a bunch of Terminators... Uh, surrendered, and now they're being taken off to prison. The jailers are huge spiders. I was not expecting this. They're just like they aren't like even like a really story like story about spiders. Totally, they aren't even like spider people. They're just like big ass tarantulas, basically. Yep. You try to run, but they catch you in webs. They shoot out of their butts. It's terrible. <laughs> but hey man, they've also spinnerets. Yeah, and they've also got cool word bubbles where like the word bubble looks like it's contained oh, within yeah. a bunch of cobwebs and stuff. That I thought that was that really was a neat, through right? line through the entire comic, and I yeah, really loved it. Definitely. They actually seem pretty nice, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one I of them. everyone gets their own special one. Yeah. Zelotes, the caretaker of the planet Arachnos, confirm, uh, comforts Purity Brown over her feelings of betraying the human race and says that, hey, like, we're basically trying to, to reform these humans, not just kill them, you know? And the spider's like, dude, I am ten steps ahead of you. I am actually anti-death penalty, although I am for chemically inducing, uh, like, normalcy, I guess. Yeah, he's just trying the to, kindest way to put it. cool them out a little bit. They've been driven mad by Torquemada and his anti-mutant agenda. you got to normalize their brains chemically, man. I guess. Anyway, he's totally into... He's Better a than naturalist most. rehabilitation person. Yeah. We learn that at the prison colony, the Terminators are stripped of their armor and clothing and forced to live in the idyllic, Eden-like paradise of the prison colony. It doesn't seem that bad. FYI, don't touch the webs. They are super poison and will kill you. 
Yeah, just keep, FYI. You it's not going to come up in your daily life if you're being a cool dude. Um, and if you step out of line, we will bite you and chemically alter you to be more docile. Okay, but you know, we got to deal with these humans, man. They're crazy. <laughs> uh, Nemesis heads off. There's about to be a meeting of the Cabal that Zelotes is going to as well. Meanwhile, in Termite, news of the loss is reaching the reborn Torquemada. He's got a plan to fix those aliens. So ready as ship, we're going to... <laughs> To Arachnos. It's probably to kill them. I mean, that's my guess. Well, yeah. You know, things are going pretty cool at the prison colony, to be honest. Uh, for everybody except for <laughs> Brother Baruta, who's a real jerk, and still feels the burning fire of alien hatred in his heart. I mean, the fact is, is that there are a bunch of space babes who are like, this is super great. Like, we love it here. And he's like, what a downer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just walking (laughs) around, grabbing kids when they're just having fun swinging on vines and pointing at the sky and screaming about shit they don't understand. That's your home. That's Earth. Yeah. Like, whatever. Dude, it's like, I ain't ever been there. And this place is great. It's born on Spider Junction, man. Uh, Yeah. He and some like-minded dudes decide to escape the colony. They create a mixture that makes them immune to the poison colony of the walls so they can climb out, killing spider guards as they go. In the jungle, I guess. Yeah, in the jungle, though, they have to deal with attacks from trap threads and the wild spiders that live outside of the uh, spider cities where they eat flies farmed on fly farms. But instead, here, there's spiders that are like in big tunnels that just climb up and grab you as you run past and stuff. It's a very one of those, like, people moving through the jungles, one or two getting picked off as they go, like, every couple minutes. Yeah, it's definitely not explained super thoroughly, but some spiders just aren't smart spiders it's like yeah. as if there were a bunch of humans out there that were feral yeah there are a bunch of like uh cro-magnon dudes outside the cities that were just that would just club your ass if you got too close <laughs> um finally only two of the escapers are left uh guru uh baruda and a random dude they make their way to a clearing and they find the giant ghostly head of torquemada you've made it <laughs> He's there in spirit, and he promises to leave to lead Baruta and the other survivor, survivor Gonzaga, to safety. I they love he- how he says that he found them. He's like, "Dude, all I did was follow your pure hatred for this place." That's right. <laughs> you are so awesome, and you are one of my men. And he's like, damn, I'm pretty cool. Yeah. They head through the massive fly farms, thick with black clouds of flies, where the Zaga dies caught in a fly harvester. The fly harvester. I mean, get this. It's just a bunch of like... Yeah. This is going to sound like, oh, well, of course they did it this way. But the fly harvesters, I mean, I guess spider people just make things that look like spider people. It's like if humans made human-looking wheat threshers, I guess. But it's just like these, like, eight giant tubes. Yeah, it's just, just sucking up sp- uh, flies as it goes. Yeah, man, it's gross. It's pretty good. <laughs> um, <laughs> eventually, though, uh, Baruta makes it through. He gets to the Arachnon uh, spaceport where Turkamata reveals his plan. Baruta will stow away on the ship of Zelotos where he will attack the head jailer and kill him so the Turkamata can inhabit his body and attend the meeting of the Cabal. Torquemada's just always wanted to be a spider. Hey, who doesn't? We cut uh, immediately to Zelotes and his wife, uh, Skyta, who are off the meeting of the Cabal, where Zelotes will explain that humans can be reformed, and thus all-out extermination of the human race is not required. 
He um, is like maybe one of the only super great spiders that I've ever met. And he's definitely one of the only pro-human uh, Cabal members, it seems like. Yeah, Inside yeah. his ship, he gets hijacked by Brother Baruta, who forces them to fly to Torquemada's star, uh, starship. On an operating table, Torquemada's spirit enters the body of Zelotes and animates it. He's good enough to fool Skyta, who Torquemada then has spaced. And they head out yeah. for the Cabal meeting, where Torquemada will kill Nemesis and all the other leaders. Next time, the Cabal. Man, I love... Nemesis the Warlock. See, it's this so is good, shit man. getting done. Just moving, moving along. Moving on to the next thing. Had a bunch of big spider jungle action. It was real good. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I, the fact that he's just like, oh, let's just see if this works. Tricks the wife only to then kill her is like, damn, bro. Yeah, man. He doesn't play around. Just, just goddamn. <laughs> hey, speaking of one last thing, and speaking of infiltrating a situation under disguise, Fox... Oh. It's Thrill Six Rogue Trooper. Rogue Trooper has a multi-part episode. Yeah. Script robot is Jerry Finley Day. Art robot Dave Gibbons and Colin Wilson. Letter robot Bill Nuttall. So, we pick up where we left off last week. Rogue Trooper and a regular dude, the Lazuka, are up against the Nord. A dream we <laughs> As uh, tanks bear down on them in the forms of a giant spider and a giant snake and some pretty ladies. Uh, initial shots not? do nothing, but Rogue consults some technical material and manages to guide the Zuka troops' shots at the tank's weak spot. Which, I guess, in all tanks from the Nords, is the same spot. Yeah, they build them from a, sense, from a standard uh, blueprint, and so it ends up there being a weak spot in all their tanks. So why does anyone need the fucking information panel that he looks at? If they're all the same spot, that should just be basic training. Like, hey, guys, well, listen. I'd imagine that that's an addendum and the, the actual tanks have better weak spots you probably want to shoot at. But mm. you can't target them because it, in this case, the tank's pretending to be a bunch of ladies being pulled by a bull on a cart. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> they say, like, that weak spot that all the tanks have while it's there, it's not guaranteed to always work and it's pretty hard to hit. Fair. Fair. So Whatever. Um, the, the tank, though, is destroyed, and Rogue Trooper guns down the escaping crew, though one of them does hit a self-destruct on the wreckage, so that the secret of the Dreamweaver can be, uh, ma- maintained a secret. Damn. Um, the other two tanks retreat, and the Lazuka man turns his weapon on Rogue, because he's too ugly to be real! I'm going crazy from space gas. That's right. Rogue tries to talk him out of it, but Gunner shoots to kill, taking him out. And, you know, he's pretty miffed about that, but whatever. They're just going to keep going. Yep. Uh, Rogue Trooper, or Rogue, buries the uh, dead because the images of the Dreamweavers were false, but that row of graves is real enough. Damn, I'm somber. Yeah. So, next up, Rogue and the Chips. Just FYI, they remain on the hunt of the Traitor General as they adventure to the warfield of New Earth. Just normal stuff. Responding to the sounds of combat, they see some Souther troops get captured by Norts who talk about how they're going to a new POW, how they're going to a POW camp where the leader, the Buzzard, will use his mind probe and get the information out of them. Buzzard. Yeah, Rogue has a hunch that this is a reference to the Traitor General who recently escaped from the Buzzard 3 satellite when he exploded mm. it. 
With no better leads, Rogue stashes Bagman and Helms, puts on a disguise, and surrenders to the Norts. He's used chemtone to hide his blue skin. He wears a bandage and a cyber thing to hide his uh, pupil-less, like Storm from X-Men style eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Norts make fun of him for surrendering with full ammo, and this caused him to make enemies with a fellow Souther POW for the same reason. Womp womp. Yeah, they're all brought to Glass House G, a uh, sealed Nort jailhouse, and we learn that indeed the buzzard is the traitor general. <gasps> Inside the base, that one jerk prisoner continues to blow up Rogue's spot, so he volunteers <laughs> to be taken to the buzzard, which is his goal all along anyway. We see the buzzard using mind probes to suck information out of the prisoners. Meanwhile, as Rogue sort of awaits for his chance to like, get his hands on the on the traitor general, the other prisoners have started a, a, a jailbreak. Dude, it's a blitz. Let's get the fuck out of here and shoot some bros. Jailhouse blitz. Rogue is conflicted because he's about to take on the traitor general, but he just can't let the South of prisoners die when they like open up the airlocks or whatever. He's got to make his choice between revenge and helping his comrades. And what will he choose? Oh, of course he helps his comrade comrades, man. He's a, he's a hero. Yeah, um, he's a nice guy. Yeah, he fights his way through the prison base, taking down defense gunners and droids, allowing the Southers to escape to freedom. It's fast and furious action, culminating in both the uh, jerk prisoner realizing that Rogue was the Rogue Trooper, and he's up to deeper things than you might think. Ooh. And then Rogue sniping a North that he believes is the traitor general, but has instead the commandant to the prison in the general's helmet, because that general has outsmarted us again! Ooh, that oh, traitor general! That wascally traitor general. <laughs> the Southers are freed and rejoice, but Rogue doesn't stick around. He gathers up the rest of his gear and continues on the hunt. He'll get that traitor eventually. Next time, Forest of Fear. Ooh. Man, we're back on the road again. Absolutely. So, hey, Fox. Hey, Conrad. That's it for this month's thrills, but the real question is what were your top and bottom thrills for February 1982? Oh, man. I mean, I've been giving Judge Dredd a top spot a lot, man, but I'm really loving Nemesis the Warlock this month. There were spiders. I like that. I like that they were sentient spiders that made, like, a special Eden for people. Like, fuck, it felt like Return to Armageddon. I did not expect them. Like, yeah, you're going to this, like, arachnid prison, and I'm like, all right, it's going to end there. And it's yeah. like, no, we're going to explore this You wouldn't this think it'd be full of space stage. Yeah. So. Absolutely. All right. Nice. So what's your bottom thrill for this month? For this month? <sighs> I hate picking on Mean Arena because I feel like it was fine, you know? Mm-hmm. It was fine, but yeah, Rogue, not Rogue Trooper, Jesus Christ. Mean Arena, I guess. I'm just going to go with that. Because, like, Ace Trucking was great. Uh, yeah. Rogue Trooper was fine. Like, I'm not the biggest fan. Um, Judge Shred was still excellent, but mm-hmm. could have used some more going on. But really just leaves Mean Arena. And quite frankly, just just let Matt Talent kill guys again. <laughs> that, that was fine. Yeah. I'm fine with him being a horrible person, you know? Man, that's fair. You're damned if you don't and damned if you do with me in arena, I guess. Yep. <laughs> Commit or don't, but just do one. That's fair. It's always fair. All right. So how about you, Conradical? What was your top hand bedroom thrill? Oh, man. Okay, so I'm going to say bottom thrill. I'll go with you with me in arena. Uh, you know, mm. 
maybe not even not that bad, but definitely the least of the thrills on offer this month. I'll say that absolutely. Um, Ace Trucking's real fun, you know. Nemesis real good. Rogue Trooper, I like. I thought glass. I thought this whole prison thing was was, was pretty decent. Mm. And I appreciate the advancement of the Trader General storyline and stuff. Um, you know, Judge Dredd. Mwah. But I think in the end, um, I'm gonna get my top through the Future Shocks. I like the Future Shocks oh, this wow. month. There wow. were a bunch that I really liked. Um, huh. You I know, mean, I the werewolf the, one was pretty funny. I liked the werewolf one. I liked the uh, the one with the guy that was tiny. I mm. thought um, the uh, they were all empty one was really creepy, and I really liked that as sort of a scary Future Shock. Yeah. Um, you know, and even and uh, what and, and 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 even the bounty hunter one I liked because it was just really like had a lot of fun like sci-fi tropes that I appreciated. Like all these ones were really nice, and I thought it was a really good Future Shocks month this month. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. And so Very you know, rare. yeah, and I feel like that, and I feel like we so often have ones that are real like groaners are not that great that I, you know when they're all good. I want to want to shout that out. So man, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, not to say that everything else wasn't great, man. Oh, geez. But also, I kind of know what's going to happen with the Apocalypse War. So I can sort of wait for lull, slight lulls in the action like this one to pick other <laughs> stuff. And then we just continue on our on, on my usual Judge Dredd mega epic um, uh, agenda <laughs> where when there's a mega epic on, you got to really blow my socks off for it not to be Judge Dredd. Fuck yeah, man. Well, I'm, I'm getting there with you. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, hey, there we go. I hope you enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Tish, the Google Play Store, and our podcast site at Cradleline.com. Feel free to contact us at SpaceSpinner2000 at gmail.com or on the 2080 forums, our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at SpaceSpinner2K for everything else. Look up Space Spinner 2000. We should be there, dude. Come on, be cool. Yeah, be cool about fire safety. And be cool about the podcast you listen to. Yeah, be cool about 2080s social media interactions. Be cool. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, know. Give us a like. Throw a comment in there. Why yeah. rate us five stars? Always appreciate five-star reviews on iTunes and other places. Um, give us a Yelp. Yeah, whoa. I don't even know if you can do that. Uh, but anyhow, <laughs> come back next time as the mush rush rushes on, nuclear winter comes to Mega City 1, and Judge Dredd gets a stub gun. Oh, man. Rogue Trooper hangs out with some ape, some ape dudes, Nemesis and Torquemada show down once again, and the Oxford side gets a little shooty. Also, Abelard Snaz returns. Oh, double-decker go. Until next time, I'm Connor at East Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. One dick for a three. One dick for a three.